Welcome to the Millennial Boardroom Podcast. I'm Erica Pierce, your Millennial Success Strategist. Each week, I will share real-life tips, tools, and techniques on what it really takes to be a millennial leader. If you're ready for success, let's go. Welcome back to the Millennial Boardroom Podcast, year 2021. This is episode 44. So I hope everyone had an amazing new year. You had a great holiday season and you are ready to get to work in 2021. I know for so many people, there were things that just didn't go your way in 2020, look, myself included, but let's put all of that behind us and let's really get focused. Let's get a plan. Let's get strategic and let's make 2021 the year that changes everything. This can be the year where your career goes in new directions, where you get that promotion, you get that raise, you get that new job, you start that new career path. Whatever it is that you want professionally, I want to help to make it happen for you in 2021. So here's the thing. Today is Wednesday, January 6th, which means it is the first day of my Growth and Goals Bootcamp. But don't worry, if you have not signed up, there's still time. We just got started today. All you've missed is a 30-minute training and one day in the workbook. So you can definitely catch up. So please go and check it out. All of the info about the bootcamp is on my Instagram. It's on my LinkedIn. It's on my webpage, ericapierce.com. You can email me, hi at ericapierce.com, but you don't want to miss out because if you want to really get clear on how to make shit happen, and that's the only way that I can really put it, you need to be in this bootcamp. So many times at this time of year, we say things like, you know, again, I want to get promoted. I want to make more money, blah, blah, blah. But we have no idea about how to do it. And that's why goal setting and really breaking things down into small, achievable action plans, that's the best way to get it done. And in my bootcamp, I will teach you the goal setting process that has worked for me for many years. I do it every single year. It's called the 12-week year process. And I will teach you how to do it. And I will really help you to make sure that 2021 is the year where your career, where you professionally grow and you look back this past year and you say, wow. So guys, that is what I want you to do. If you're hearing this podcast right now and it's still January 6th or even January 7th or 8th, definitely get to my website, get to my Instagram, get wherever you need to go to find me and sign up for the bootcamp. It's not too late. You can catch up because we take a break over the weekend. So even if you are hearing this Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we, we only go Wednesday, Thursday, January 6th, January 7th, and then we take a three-day break so people can get everything they need to get done. And we start again Monday. And so you, there's plenty of time is my point. You can still jump in and you will not feel like you are behind. You will feel like you're behind though if you miss out on this. This is the best way to get clear on how you want to accomplish your goals in 2021. Now let's get to today's podcast because this is one of the goals you might want to consider having for 2021 doing a fear experiment. And I want to share with you one of the fear experiments I did with my career a couple years ago. So take a listen to this. 
Hi, guys. This week's guest I am very excited about because it is a new year. And I know for many people, you're thinking about what are things you can do differently this year. And if you've been um, following me on social media and listening to my latest masterclass, you've probably heard that I am challenging you to do fear experiments this year. And I will say fear experiments is not a term that I own. Um, that's a term I got from a um, an improv artist named Judy Holler. And that's why I'm very excited today because we have another great improv artist. And correct me, John, once I introduce you, if, that, if saying improv artist is okay. But we have John Colby, um, who's an improver. <laughs> I have to learn the, the correct terminology. And I'm very excited because improv is an, is an experiment that I did a few years ago. I took a class and John and I will talk a little bit more about this. But I know that it really helped me in terms of becoming more comfortable with my voice, becoming a better presenter, and just also having some fun. I, and we need more fun in our lives. So welcome, John Colby, to the Millennial Boardroom Podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's a huge debate on what do we call ourselves. And the, the term everybody kind of leans toward is improviser, because if you say improver, when you try and spell it, it looks like you're writing improver. And then people are confused. <laughs> I'm like, well, technically, I am an improver. I help people improve. But improviser is the word people kind of go toward. Okay, improviser. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I like that play on words as well. So that that's great. John, so for some people, maybe they know what improv is. You know, Saturday Night Live is probably the best example of where you see some level of improv. But just tell the listeners who maybe have never really, you know, Googled improv or who have never seen improvers in action, just tell them a little bit about what it means to, to do improv. So basically, I'm too lazy to memorize things, but I like performing. So a group of improvisers get on stage and we take a suggestion from the audience. And then from that, we make up a, a, a scene or uh, we play a game or we write a song. I have a two-man show called Dudesicle, and it's just me and another dude. We get a suggestion from the audience and we make up a whole musical. So it's it's if you've listened to or seen Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah. Or for the millennials, maybe Wildin' Out on MTV is more your style. But basically, we we don't know what's going to happen ahead of time. We just make it up. Yeah. Oh, you know what that is? A wilding out. That's that's true. Yes. That's probably better examples than Saturday Night Live because they do memorize stuff on Saturday Night Live. Right. right? Some people add in ad lib. Yeah. And so for me, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. So my sister actually is the one who suggested that I take an improv class a couple of years ago. And I never, you know, I consider myself a fairly witty person. I can also be pretty dramatic. Um, <laughs> I guess that's being a little sister that comes naturally to me. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know. What am I going to do with the improv class? Like, I don't plan to become a improviser, a professional improviser. And when I started doing a little bit of research, I learned that, you know, improv, it was just, it was a great way to really sharpen a lot of your skills, your, your communication skills, your leadership skills. And as I said, just becoming more comfortable in your own, um, your own skin. And when I, I took my class here in DC at DC improv, it was a group, I believe of maybe 10 or 12. They kept it fairly small and everybody in the group was like a nine to five professional. There was nobody there that was, was a lawyer. There was a, um, you know, someone who worked in marketing, like nobody there was there because they were looking to 
have this career in improviser. Some of them, I think, actually maybe hopefully kept going and they will do it now. But everyone was there because they were like, I either want to do something different. I want to have some fun. I want to tap into another part of my just personality that I don't get to utilize. And I, I didn't realize that. I thought I'd be the only one there that was there just to kind of work on my work skills, quote unquote. So tell me, I know you do a lot of work with organizations. Like how do you make that connection to what you do as an improviser to how that connects to people who want to um, do professional and personal development? Well, I mean, if you think about it, we improvise all the time when you, I mean, you go in with a plan. If, if anybody listening has ever made a plan and everything went the way it was supposed to do, you need to be a book writer or you need to be a, 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 a guru of some sort because nobody in the world plans it and then it goes the way, you know, there's always a twist or a turn or a curveball. And improv is just about like when those moments happen, just adjusting. And I, you know, my, my, blog talked about the word of the year for last year was pivot because yeah. we, <laughs> no, we had to adjust. But I think even moving forward, it's about being flexible and, and okay, once, once the world starts reopening, what's that going to look like? Because if you think it's just going to go back to normal, it's not. So how do you adjust in that new normal? And then even beyond that, just in day to day, I think improv for me built my confidence I read on your on your website you talk about that imposter syndrome. I think everybody goes through that and mm-hmm. and improv just teaches you no matter who you are, you have a unique perspective on everything. So when you go in, speak up. It, the number one rule in improv is yes and and yes and doesn't work unless people speak up. And it cuz if you and I do an improv scene together and I talk the whole time, I'm not bringing your your unique experience, your ideas, your your energy into the scene, and so it's going to flop. Like a a, a two person scene with only one person doing stuff doesn't work. So we need people to feel confident to speak up, and then we need them to be okay with mistakes. Uh, you're you know talking about the failure experience uh, experiment. If you are too afraid to fail, you're never going to grow because it's in failure that that we learn. Thomas Edison said. I didn't fail 10,000 times. I found the 10,000 ways that didn't work. And that's how you, you know, create and innovate and, and become the, the game changers in the world, you know? Absolutely. I, I always tell people every day you should think about what failure did I have today and then congratulate yourself yep. and, <laughs> and write down the lesson that, you know, you were able to get from it as opposed to just, you know, wallowing and, oh, this didn't go right. And, you know, to your point as well, I think if we learned anything in 2020, we did learn that, you know, you can plan everything out to the very detail and the unex- most unexpected things like a worldwide pandemic <laughs> can come and change anything very, very quickly. So absolutely. The the yes and was something that definitely that I had to work on. So as you said, that's one of the main principles. And I hope I'm calling these things the right thing. It's improv. Right, improv, right, right. Whatever you say, I'm going to be like, yes, and that's great. Right, exactly. And so, and and that was something that I've actually utilized a lot professionally afterwards, where I would catch myself to always, again, invoke my voice. So instead of just, you know, saying, okay, yeah, you know, yes, it's what else can I add to this conversation? What else can I, you know, bring? Because I think so many times, especially when we are in the earlier stages of our career, 
and we're in things like meetings or now on Zooms, you know, it's easy to not speak up. It's easy just to shake your head or at the end, just say, okay, thanks. And just you know, close your computer. But no, it's so important to be visible, especially right now. So don't just say yes and, and just not yes. And what can you bring? You know, I think one of the things that we do, um, the worst things you can do is not speak up. I always tell people I work with, you're hired because you have a different perspective. You have ideas that maybe other people aren't thinking of and saying what you might think is a dumb idea, which I hate that term. There's no dumb ideas. It's just, it's just as worse to say nothing at all. Right. Yep. Yep. I tell people. When I work with organizations, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I work with a group called Vistage, which is CEOs. So it's the, the people that run the companies. And I tell them during a pandemic, your best resources are your newest employees. And everybody always gives me this weird look, uh, you know, no, we need experience. We, I'm like, no, you don't, because right now your experience is in how it was. And now that we are in a new, uh, like an uncharted territory, a lot of your senior leadership says, that, well, this is the way we do things. Mm -hmm. and, and we all struggle with change at some level. So when you're, when you're trying to find out a new way to do something, don't go to the people who already have 20 years of experience doing it this way. Go to the millennials, go to the youngest people in your organization and go, what would you do? If there were no rules, what would you do? And they're not used to the way, quote, we've done it forever. So they're going to give you a new idea. And, and even if it doesn't work, what you learn from ideas that, quote, fail is something needed to change. It, you wouldn't give an idea. If everything's working smoothly, if we're on a road trip and everything's great and everybody's having fun, you don't change anything. But if people are bringing in new ideas, it's because something isn't working as well as it could. So even when you, even when you have a quote failure, it's really highlighting an area where we need to work on it and say, okay, that didn't work. But now we, we've targeted the weakness. Now, what other things can we use to try and to improve that weakness. So, so I, I, I always say quote fail instead of just saying fail. Cause the only time you fail is when you quit, right. like, exactly. only, you know, keep trying, keep innovating. You didn't fail. You're just, you're still working on it. Right. Right. I, I really like that. You said that leadership should make sure that they're talking to your newest employees. Mm -hmm. I, I, when I worked in corporate America, I always worked in areas around growth and strategy. And one of the things that I did for a couple of companies that I worked for was an exercise called kill the company. And it's an exercise. Have you heard of it before mm -hmm. where, you know, you literally put your hat on, like you're, you're, you are the competitor and you come up with how would you kill the current company that you work for? Some people are a little uncomfortable doing it, but I'm like, this is the only way you really start thinking outside the box. And my recommendation to organizations is when you do that exercise, it can't just be senior leadership doing that exercise. That is when you want to bring in your, you know, your younger and um, employees, your millennials, people who will be thinking about, you know, they might have something you would have never thought of and how they would kill the company, right? It could be, we're going to create this app that does exactly what the company does. And everyone else is like, oh, we didn't think about that. So, you know, again, that outside thinking is, is so critically important. And, and that's why it's so important, like I said, just to make sure that you're speaking up, that you're sharing, especially even if you're, you know, you're not in that senior place. The only way you're going to get to that senior leadership place is by making 
making sure that you are sharing new ideas. And even if you're not at the table, think about ways. Maybe it's just, you know, when you have one-on-one time with your boss, you know, asking them what types of conversations are happening at that higher level. And are there things that you could work on where you could get that level of um, visibility or be able to start thinking in, you know, ways outside of just your your day-to-day job. So, so important. Yeah, totally. I, I think that facing your fear, you said, you know, when you have that one on time with the boss, so you have to have that. I, I think for some people in 2021, that might be your facing your fear, your fear experiment. Talk to leadership more. Yeah. I think, and there is Harvard based research that says if you want somebody to like you more, just go up and ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> and again, here's, a, here's more advice for millennials. Don't be afraid to ask questions when when we're new to a job or new to a position. We don't want to ask questions because we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. But research says if I walk up to you and say, "Hey, can you tell me about this?" The first, as soon as you start talking about something in which you're knowledgeable, your dopamine and your serotonin start flowing because you feel good. But the research says you now associate the person you're talking to more positively. So if I ask you for help, you like me more, and science proves right. that. So I think I think so often when you go in when you go in to a, a new spot, we're afraid to look weak. But really, asking questions isn't weak; it's building relationships. Absolutely. No, I love that. You're right. You are. You are right. Because I know when someone asks me something that I know a lot about, I get excited and so, <laughs> like, "Ask me more." Tell, I want to exactly. Tell yeah, we like to feel smart. So for someone that's out there that's listening to this podcast and they're like, okay, maybe I do want to give improv a try. What advice would you give to them? Because we were talking before we started recording that there's a lot more options now. And what is an improv class virtually like? I mean, I know everything is not the same, but you know, again, everybody has learned to pivot and to make things work. So tell the listeners what, you know, kind of where they can go and look for opportunities and then how is it doing it virtually? I would say like girl or boy, now is the time <laughs> because, <laughs> because the thing is the first challenge you have to overcome to take a class is to sign up, which is the easy part and then leave your house to go. And that for so many people right there, it's hard just because of time or just the anxiety that builds up of driving or, or getting on the, the train or whatever it takes to get there. But now all you do is log on and, you're, and we're also comfortable with our computer anyway. So you're literally in your own space. But what's cool about the online classes is you use breakout room. Well, some things you do in the main room, but then you use breakout rooms. So you just go into one-on-one games and you play with other people, but you don't feel all the eyes of the room watching you as often. And then as you move forward, you might do more things in your main room, but but the the level of comfortability in a an online class is fantastic. So so you you do feel a little more at ease and you kind of work your way into it. And then like I was mentioning before we started today, right now if you live in Savannah, Georgia. I'm mentioning that. I know a lot of improv places all over. I don't know of an improv place in Savannah and maybe there is, but the thing is you can take an improv class with some of the best improvisers in the world, in Chicago, in in New York, in in Amsterdam, like all over the world. I, I have friends teaching classes that you can take right now in Manchester, England. So like you're not limited to to where you can go. And a lot of people even have a free drop-in class. If you look up comedy sports, Boston, I know they do a free class, I think every month. Um, I'm trying to think of 
maybe the magnet in New York does that too. I'm not positive of that one, but these places have literally free classes that you can take to sample it. And it's just like when you could go to Costco and, and try things out before you buy. Right. So you get that little sample and see if you like it, but don't just keep taking the samples. And the reason I say that is you're going to get mixed up with a bunch of random people. Every time you go, when you take a class, you get that little family. And then over that, like you said, in that eight weeks, you get more comfortable with those people. So you'll, you'll step out of your comfort zone a little bit more. Yes. And I, that was actually one of the really cool things. The class that I took, like I said, I think it was 10 or 12. And over the course of that eight weeks, we really did get to know each other. And you could tell that first class, people were definitely a little bit more, you know, reserved and nervous. But by the end, you know, we were just yell out crazy things. You could tell the people who had really you know, crazy ideas going in their head. And it was, it was fun to see that growth. And we actually we still have an email chain for, um, of a couple of people who, you know, afterwards did a, did some had some performances or became a part of a group, and they would invite us to join. So it was also it's I think it's always cool when you have different little you know niche groups that you become a part of. So highly yeah. recommend guys um, if it's not something that you've ever considered doing, cons- do it. Not don't just consider doing it. Do it this year. And as John just said, it's there's so many great opportunities to take advantage virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so definitely, definitely do that. John, what's a, what's your favorite improv? Like or for someone who's a beginner, what, what's one of your favorite improv kind of games to do? So when I work with corporate, we don't start off with like performance stuff where it's just like, okay, the two of you are clowns and you're stuck in a warehouse go like, you know, we don't, we don't start. That's like level two, right? So level one, I just have people talk, but then I give them a rule. So like um, you and I, let's play a game right now. We'll play one of the easier ones. So I'm going to play a game called Last Letter. So I'm going to ask you a question, just kind of like we're talking, but you have to start your response with the last letter that I said. So if I said, how are you? You ends in the letter U. So your first word would have to start with the letter U. And then you can say whatever you want back. And then I'll reply to that. So let's just, let's just chat about food for a minute, okay? Okay. What do you like to eat? Tangerines are something that I really love. Everybody should get a lot of vitamin C, but I will have to tell you my favorite food is Mexican. Nah, I don't really love Mexican. I really prefer to have Italian. Never have I met someone who didn't enjoy Mexican food. I'm not saying I'm offended. I'm just confused. Dude, everybody likes different things. So you just have to. <laughs> with it sometimes. And we'll we'll end it there. Okay. So I want to point out two things. Number one, it's just fun, right? You're just chatting with somebody, but I want to point out that that improv game we play is one of the most powerful tools that I teach people when it comes to communication, because normally if you, if everybody listening, if you're ever on uh, a first date, or if you're in an interview, what's happening while the other person is talking, you're thinking about what's going on. You're trying to analyze it. You're trying to plan your next uh, answer. You're, you're, you're assessing if they like you or not. But while we were playing that game, you couldn't think ahead because you had to wait for my last letter. And so what it forces you to do is to fully listen to the other person in the room before you start speaking. So if you are an interrupter, if you are one of those overthinkers while the other person is talking, or if you're one of those people who speaks back immediately and you put your foot in your mouth, that's, I'm one of those people that, that this, 
will save you so many mistakes because it makes you fully listen. It makes the other person feel more valued. And again, they like you more because you fully listen to them. So that's that's kind of what I do. So I play improv as my uh, release and for fun. And I, I make some money doing that. But when I do all the corporate stuff, what I do is we play games like that and then point out how it's going to make you better. Brilliant. And I am someone who is working. One of my goals in 2021 is to work on not interrupting. And I, you know, it's funny, I don't do it professionally, but my boyfriend, I interrupt what he's saying all the time. So <laughs> he will so, love if I could start using this game more. <laughs> here's a secret. When, and I'll tell you, because I feel like you and I are a lot alike. I interrupt people the most when I'm excited. So, so if I'm, if I'm mad or if I'm really happy or whatever, that's when I interrupt people. So here's the secret. If you are in one of those situations, you catch yourself doing it, play this last letter game, but don't tell them you're playing. Right. Because it just forces you to slow down. And then people think you're a really good listener. Wow. You have really transformed your communication skills. Well, again, I highly, highly recommend um, people to do something outside the box this year, do things that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I would bet for many of you listening, uh, taking an improv class is something that has just not been on your top of your to-do list. But for me, it was a game changer. John actually has motivated me to go and take another class, especially take advantage of these virtual opportunities. So I'm going to commit to doing that um, this year. So thank you, John, for that little reminder that even though I've taken it one time, I can continue to enhance my skill set. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear that. And and if anybody listening needs uh, advice on where to go, and once the world opens back up, I mentioned, mentioned Savannah, Georgia, because like I said, I don't know anything there, but I do comedy sports and it ends with a Z here in Indianapolis, but they are in like 27 cities in the US and they have classes. So don't think you have to go to like the big second city in Chicago or one of the places in LA or New York. There there are places all over the, the country to do it. So, so look up stuff that you can do once we're allowed to and know that they're even doing virtual shows. So see what's in your area and watch something. So then when you take a class, you already kind of have a feel of the style and the people there. It's so much less intimidating once you once you kind of see it and you kind of go, okay, I can do that. All they're doing is listening and responding. I can listen and I can respond, you know? Exactly, exactly. And John, I know for many listeners too, they are part of organizations that are, you know, planning different things this year, different virtual, you know, sales meetings, conferences, things like that. Where can they find you if they want to um, get a hold and learn more about the work that you do with uh, companies and organizations? It's just johncolby.com, J-O-N-C-O-L-B-Y.com. And I, I kind of explain how it works on the main page, but then I have a video tab and a virtual tab where they can actually kind of watch and see what it looks like in action because it's so hard to fathom how, especially for virtual, like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm like, well, you can see some videos there. And, and one CEO is like, I just don't understand it. How, how will people play improv games if there's 500 people in a ballroom? And I'm like, watch the video. Like literally everybody stands up and they play together. Like nobody comes up on stage with me. You just have to have conversations with rules and then it becomes a game. Exactly. Well, I had fun just playing our game here. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
thank you, John, so much for being on the podcast this week. And um, would love to hear from any listeners out there that definitely go out and sign up and, and take an improv class. Uh, again, do things this year that make you feel a little uncomfortable and, and have some fun with it. So thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to you, John. And happy new year to everyone listening. Bye.